from the former convent of the Good Shepherd overlooking Inwood Hill Park in New York City. Welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where you meet musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome writer and marketing professional Stephen Hansen. Stephen specializes in working for nonprofit organizations and community projects around the U.S., and his clients include NBC Universal Publishing, Comcast, Metro Beat TV, Anything Libraries, Open Library, the City of Denver, National Audubon Society, the Center for Digital Archaeology, and Starbucks. <laughs> He has also freelanced as a greeting card illustrator, an exhibition designer, and a user experience reviewer for retail websites. And he is also the creator of the Happiness Archive. We're going to talk to him about his work and so much more. But first, let me welcome you, Stephen, to In What Artworks On Air. How are you? Thank you, Aaron. I'm, I'm fine, and I'm honored to be here. Well, Thank you so much. It's great to have you. Um, so you have helped a great array of diverse clients, uh, but it's hard not to notice you have a focus particularly on a great deal of libraries and yeah. museums and media arts-oriented businesses. So I'm curious if you had had a particular experience or exposure to the arts and humanities during your upbringing <laughs> that drawn has drawn you to projects for these types of organizations. I Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, I did, and it's probably the same story that a lot of people have. Um, but when I was a kid, going to the library on, I think it was Saturday mornings that we used to go, um, to this wonderful old uh, library building, um, a Carnegie library building, um, very dark and cool inside. Um, and my mom let me go. Uh, she didn't push me to the children's side, but she let me wander the entire library and what was your mom doing at the time is the question. <laughs> she was uh, probably outside smoking. Or there something. you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but she let me pick whatever interested me, you know, and sometimes it was stuff from the, the uh, grown-ups side of a library. Um, but more often than not, it was, um, you know, picture books and art kind of related things. So um, that's what got me interested in it. And I also had a couple of really great teachers who um, impressed upon me the... Um, just the the whole world of, of creativity and how um, if you have a creative urge, um, you can. There are a million ways that you can um, use it. I mean, you know, music. You can play the piano. You can paint. You can write. And I ended up doing a lot of writing um, very early on. So that was kind of how I got into it. And when it came time for me to um, make my own way in the world, um, I wanted to only work for organizations that um, you know. Are, Places that were more than just, you know, making potato chips or whatever. But, I mean, we're actually doing some good things for the community and bringing people together in good, creative, positive ways. And so that's always kind of been my, my pathway that I've tried to stay on. Um, I've worked for a couple of uh, uh, clients that I haven't even put on my resume yet that are, you know, purely um, to pay the rent. Um, but still, you know, there are good people everywhere. And sure. I always uh, sought um, good opportunities uh, with good people. Um, all those uh, wonderful gigs that, that you talked about, um, for years I've been um, a freelance consultant. I mean, I've worked for the man, you know, yeah. off and on, but mostly freelance. Um, and, you know, after the pandemic came down upon us and um, brought everything to a screeching halt, I had no more gigs. Everything dried up sure. because nobody was doing anything. Um, and so that's kind of what led me to creating the Happiness Archive. 
I wanted to do something. I had to do something creative. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, you know, I really wanted to um, kind of build um, like an island or an o oasis of just sort of good positive information rather than, you know, staying up all night doom scrolling like we all um, <laughs> eventually probably did or, or watching, you know, just the sort of horrible stuff on TV. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to shield myself against that. So it was a very, I guess, selfish endeavor to begin with. Um, but then I thought that maybe other people would be interested in, in you know, <laughs> reading some of these things. I mean, I was lo obviously looking for um, beachcombing, if you will, the internet for um, positive stories, stories that touched my heart or that made me laugh or brought a smile to my face in some way or actually, you know, gave me some good, helpful ideas for uh, ways that I could feel better <laughs> um, without just um, sulking or um, just being, you know, completely um, bamboozled by what do I do next, you know? I mean, none of us knew what was going to happen, right? Yeah. And so this ended up being kind of like a, um, uh, like a sort of a still point in my life at the time, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, I could, something that I could do every day for like two or three hours and could always rely on and it brought it did end up um bringing you know a lot of uh, sort of peace and um i don't know just serenity um uh, into my life that was otherwise you know i was otherwise i was like ripping my hair out thinking what yeah. am i going to do next so well you brought a lot of peop people maybe a lot of people happy through your work and um even looking for the man i'm sure uh, <laughs> yeah. uh but so it's only natural you would create your own project called the happiness archive i would think uh and thank you for telling our listeners about the origin of it and you know and giving that self you're giving giving it to yourself as a present first yeah uh and um i'm a big believer in all art comes all the best art i'll say and best is a subjective of course but i feel it really does uh the, the ones that are that resonates the most comes to a very personal place. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that it came from that, that need in you to have something to uplift the good news, so to speak, uh, amongst the darkness, uh, yeah. and, uh, really interesting to hear how that, that's where it uh, originated from. Uh, and it has four major categories, right? Mm -hmm. It has people, stories, hacks, and fun to guide <laughs> people to narrow their interests and to expose them perhaps to more great stories that they might be aware of. Uh, can you give the uninitiated who haven't been to your site yet <laughs> a breakdown of what each offer and what they can find? Well, yeah, and, and first of all, I named it Happiness Archive because um, that was available. <laughs> so all, all the other versions that I wanted weren't, so. And uh, like, like as far as like a .com available? Exactly, so like, it's, exactly. It's all about the URL, right? <laughs> yeah, it's all about the URL these days. And also, I thought that it, it kind of fit. I mean, I, I do have library training, and I've worked at libraries for a long time and um, on different projects. And yeah. just the idea of sort of finding this information, organizing it, yeah. and then presenting it back out to whoever wants it um, kind of appealed to me. So the word archive, I liked a lot. So it, yeah, there are the, the four main sections, um, uh, people, stories, uh, fun, and hacks. Um, so basically, you know, the, the ones that are most popular are any of the people-related stories or posts that I put up because people relate to people. And I love that because I wanted, it, I wanted people to connect to it um, yeah in a personal way. Um, and also I just, you know, it says right on the, um, uh, right at the top of my site, just jump right in. So there's no right, right or wrong way to do it or to use the site. Um, it's not so episodic, like a blog, like you can't, you can't have to read one and know the next one. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So as far as like the user experience goes, you just sort of 
jump in anywhere and you'll find something hopefully that will um, interest you. Um, but the people, the people ones are the most popular and I started interviewing people and actually you were my first interview. I was? You were. Holy in mackerel. That, yeah, and that was about a year ago. So we've come, <laughs> we've come full circle now. Bring You're interviewing me. Um, but anyway, um, and there are so many wonderful ones. I mean, uh, yours was really interesting just because it's where we live. Um, and it was, that was a great place for me to start um, and find out more about you and all the different things that you do. Um, and then I just would, uh, you know, I would read stories about um, people online or friends of mine. I have a lot of library friends, obviously, who would send me ideas like, hey, check this out or check that out. Uh, you know, there was a security guard at the History Museum in Oklahoma City who, when um, the pandemic closed the museum to the public, he was the only one who was there every day as the security guard. And he started doing, um, uh, he started uh, vlogging and, and um, posting on um, Twitter. His daughter taught him, taught him how to use Twitter. And uh, he became like this um, you know, worldwide sensation because he's funny. And he would just roam through the museum and take photos of things and kind of make up stories about them and stuff. Um, it was hilarious. And so I, d I wrote a long piece about him. Um, other pieces that I find about people who are doing wonderful things, like a woman in India, um, and this was in um, the Times of India, I think I found it. I read a lot of online newspapers. Um, started a library of uh, saris, uh, really beautiful you know, garments that women wear, um, so that uh, women who can't really afford these very traditional um, ceremonial ones that you wear to like weddings, if you've been invited to a wedding or something, there's a certain kind of sari that you wear. Um, but they created a library of saris that uh, women could just check out and wear them, have them cleaned and then bring them back, you know, that kind of thing. And I just thought that was such a wonderful story. So all I did for something like that was I just sort of pulled it out and kind of like relaunched it on my site and to, you know, to expose it to that many more people with a little intro. Mm -hmm. um, other, um, uh, when you get to the story section, you'll see some longer pieces that I've written. Um, ideas occur to me about, um, for instance, you know, like the history of the potato chip. We were talking about potato chips earlier, and actually, it's one of my favorite snack foods. Um, you should have a podcast that's potato chips. Right. Like, that's me too. <laughs> I don't do drugs, but you put a bag of potato chips in front of me, it's going to be gone. Can't eat just one. I can't eat just one. Total addiction. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, so the, the history of the potato chip is quite interesting. And like so many inventions like that, um, there are 10 different stories. And mm -hmm. so it became a challenge, a puzzle, and a challenge for me to get as much information from as many different sources as I could and then kind of like Present compare that, yeah. it, compare them all and then come up with what I think is probably the most accurate version of the story. Um, and with the potato chip, for instance, it was invented in Saratoga. And so they were originally called Saratoga chips. It was invented by a chef, um, uh, a Native American chef, I forget which tribe, but upstate New York, like, um, I can't remember which tribe, Onondaga or one of those, anyway. He um, was a famous chef up there and worked for uh, one of the um, big resorts. And he started making these potato chips and just putting them in baskets on the tables in the dining room so that people would have something to snack on while they came in and put their order in and while they were waiting for their meal to be delivered. And then um, people started coming in and just ordering the potato chips <laughs> or having them, like, you know, mailed across the country wow. to their mother or something like that. So I found that that was... Really, really interesting. Is the place you, still around? Um, <laughs> like in no, some, in some way, like, like some it, it is still there. Years? Yes, it is still there. Oh, no. um, 
I think it's an Airbnb. Oh, <laughs> but anyway, you can still you can go there. I wonder if they give chips on your bed when you right, right, right. Um, also, speaking of food, you know that's one of my favorite things. Um, the history of the cheeseburger was also quite interesting, and like so many, I think inventions, if you will, um, it you know was started at like in two or two or three different places at the same time. You know, when an idea is ready to be born, it kind of pops up in more than one place. But the the guy who's credited with inventing it in 1927, the cheeseburger in um, outside of Los Angeles. Um, he himself, oh, and by the way, his name was Lionel Sternberger. <laughs> you, can't, you really can't write that, but I guess you had to. Yeah, I yeah. Um, he, he intentionally um, would spin different tales about how he invented it. And so it became very confusing because he was the one who invented it, but the details changed every time somebody asked him, so it was very confusing. Um, so anyway, I, I mean, I get pulled into things like that, and I hope that other people find it interesting as well, but I, I love doing it. Um, fun facts, um, you know, like the, the world's tallest snowman, or snow person, I guess, um, in Bethel, Maine, was constructed, I think, in 2008, um, 122 feet tall, um, they used um, uh, tractor tires for the eyes and for the buttons. I mean, that's how big. <laughs> wow. Um, and they named it uh, Olympia Snow, Olymp Olympia Snow Woman, after the beloved uh, um, moderate Republican Senator Olympia Snow <laughs> from Maine. Um, and that was their big, that's Bethel, Maine's big claim to fame. Okay. Um, I don't think they've done it since. I think I wonder after how they long it, it stayed up there for. That's a lot of weight to carry for a snowman. It stayed up for many, many months. I mean, because wow. people came from all over to, to visit it. Wow. So anyway, I mean, those those kinds of things I find quite fascinating. Um, and then hacks, you know, these are these are just like simple things that you can do to make yourself feel better, um, often at no cost, and so or little cost. For instance, um, you know, just. Uh, taking a bite of really good dark chocolate, you know, when you see those, the really nice ones at the checkout stand, mm -hmm. you know, the ones that are like... Like 70% something. You, right, 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 right. Yeah, it's become quite an industry now. Um, having a piece of really good dark chocolate um, releases in the brain a chemical, I can't remember the name, it begins with P, a long, long word, phylo, phylo something. Um, but anyway, it's the same chemical that we feel that the brain releases when we fall in love with someone. And so you're getting that same feeling when you have a piece of chocolate, which is, doesn't surprise anyone. I'm sure that's why so many people are in love with chocolate. Um, there are so many things. I mean, there, um, once you start looking for stuff like this, it finds you. And, and that's every day when I go online now, I'm kind of attuned to um, looking for stuff like that and like, oh my gosh. So as I told you, I think before we did this, um, before I launched the site over a year ago, I wrote 150 posts so that I wouldn't, so that I would have a nice backlog of content, and I wouldn't be under the gun every week or so, which is when I, about how often I post. Um, so I, I found a lot of stuff, and one of them, and I'm, you know, I'm every day I was like, oh, I want to post this one now, or I want to post this one, but I have to like, no, you have to be good. I have to be good. I have to uh, ration. So 2024, it'll be ready because you yeah, have always right, posted. Right, the, right. You have this big stack of posts yeah, right. ready to go and launch every week. This one, um, so the, the I, I'm very into the scents and fragrances of things like food especially um, and, you know, flowers and nature. Uh, when you walk through um, our beautiful forest up here um, in the summertime, 
Um, you feel better, your heart rate uh, drops a little bit, your blood pressure goes down, you feel more at ease. Um, in Japan, it's called forest bathing, just walking through the forest. Um, I mean, clothed, but I mean, walking yeah, through the forest. Right. Um, and you're breathing in the oils that um, uh, trees release to protect themselves against um, disease and insects. And, and it, when humans breathe that in, um, it also um, improves the immunity, your immune system, and it just makes you feel better. And just smelling the soil, you know, and the leaves and the, the pine trees and that kind of stuff is um, just, you know, so beneficial. Um, studies have shown that people who even live near a park or near a forest um, are happier um, than people who just live, you know, in a city or in a regular uh, suburb someplace. Um, anyway, so one of the things was uh, the Glade, S.C. Johnson, the makers of Glade uh, Room Spray, yes. they um, interviewed a, uh, like 1,010 people in 2010, I think it was, about uh, rating the different uh, smells. Um, and the top rated one was the smell of fresh baked bread, made people feel the happiest. Um, and, you know, and it goes like the smell of chocolate even was another one. The smell of um, uh, fresh soil like in the garden in the springtime. The smell of um, newly um, mown Little hay in lawn. And, yeah. lawn. Yeah. Um, and then I'm trying to think about what was the last one. Oh, like a apple cinnamon, you know, some of these things that now you can see that they've sure. made into room sprays. Um, but I think that that's all that's kind of stuff is so fascinating. But the smell of grapefruit. Um, also has the same effect on people, and the smell specifically, <laughs> I kind of find this hard to believe, but I'll have to try to, the smell of red grapefruit. Ruby red grapefruit, yeah. Yeah, so the oil that's in the skin on ruby red grapefruit, um, if you rub some of that, put it on, you know, like before you go out, everybody, it makes other people that you meet happier to see you. That's how I look after I eat one, it's all over my face. <laughs> really? uh, but, yeah. it, it makes them happier to see you, and also, oddly enough, it makes them perceive you as being five to six years younger than you really are. <laughs> this is a scientific fact. Everyone just clicked off the podcast, Stephen, <laughs> and they ran to the grocery store right now looking for ruby red grapefruit. Go get your ruby red grapefruit. <laughs> so stuff like that, you know, I'm just a sucker for, and, I, and I'm fascinated by these things. And just about everything that I post in that realm is backed up by some kind of study or perhaps pseudoscientific, but I mean some kind of, of uh, scientific research, shall we say. Yeah. Um, the hacks, or the, excuse me, the, um, the people ones, though, are, are my favorite because I get to interview people. Yeah. Um, and aside from yours, which was the first and, and my favorite, um, I had the opportunity to interview, oh, let me, I, I brought this note so I would be sure to um, pronounce their names correctly. Sonali Ranjit and Vai Balas Brahmanian who invented window swap. I don't know if you've been online to window swap, but they started no, it. Not, but go for it. Okay, I want to about this right now. So windows, <laughs> I'll tell you. Window swap, um, Vi and Sonali um, work for a creative agency in Singapore. Um, and when the pandemic hit, they were, you know, they had to work from home. That was fine. They have a nice apartment in Singapore. but. 
pretty soon they just got bored with the view from their own window, so they created a site. Yes, I have seen this. Sorry, it's been I have pandemic brain right now. It's been, <laughs> yes. uh, but I remember a year ago when it came out, or a year and a half ago when it came out. The they uh, to a wild acclaim, uh, the Wall Street Journal said the one good thing on the internet that the internet has given us, which I thought was great. Um, I just contacted them out of the blue and said, "Can I interview?" And they were like, "Sure." Um, and so they created the site so that they could see other people's window views and what other people saw from their, um, you know, dining room table yeah. where they were their forced, where they were forced to work, you know, now yeah. uh, rather than going into an office. And so now they have thousands and thousands of, of videos. Um, the way that you submit your own is you just set, set up your camera and you take a 10-minute video from of the view from your window, um, which I actually did, and I sent mine in. Um, I never found it, but they said they posted it. But anyway, they, so you can go online, you can shuffle through as many of these as you want, and there's a little indication of who sent it and where, what country or what city it's in, so that you kind of know where you are. Um, and you just, I mean, talk about, this is, the, I guess, the good kind of scrolling, but I mean, you, you're fascinated, you can't stop doing this, you can't stop looking out these other people's windows. You almost feel like you're sort of like breaking and entering, you know, <laughs> spying through other people's uh, homes. What a gift that was, though, at a time when we... We were, everyone was sheltering in place yeah. at that time, at least in America. You um, felt connected. Yeah. You felt connected to other people in a, a kind of odd way. I mean, you never actually saw the people who sent them in, but you saw their view. And so you were kind of like looking at the world through their eyes. Um, and it was fascinating because you can, I have um, one of those uh, laptops where you can enlarge, you know, with just with your fingers on the screen. And um, some of them you see, <clears throat> excuse me, you see people like there were um, uh, a mom and her sister maybe on the beach, you know, in Brighton, sitting in their beach chairs. And their teenage son or 12-year-old son was, you could tell he was like really bored. Very tiny, you know, in the window view. But when you open, when you enlarged it, you could sort of see like the story like going on. What he was like, oh, mom, please. <laughs> and, and pacing back and forth and everything. And another one, um, in Sweden, um, there were two, it was a view of an alley in Sweden with these beautiful, um, quaint homes, you know, in, in Oslo or whatever city it was. And you could see a car pulling up and then parking behind the house, which is how they do it in this alley. Um, and then a couple getting out. And I was looking at it and I thought, I think they're having an argument. And so I, <laughs> I like, you know, enlarged the view so I could see it. And sure enough, she was like, ah, ah, ah. Um, and I'm like, what am I doing? This you're watching like real life. You're really place. self-aware of what you're, what you're like, embarrassed that somebody's gonna see you looking over your shoulder in your own room it, watching your laptop. It was, and then all of a sudden you realize, okay, I've been doing this for like two hours. I need to do something <laughs> else. You know? But anyway, it, it totally fascinating. That was such a wonderful interview. Um, and then also a, a gentleman by the name of Carlos Magdalena, who is a horticulturist at Kew Gardens in London. He specializes in saving plants from extinction. Um, and getting them to um, self-propagate on their own without, you know, without the intervention of, of man, you know, helping with yeah. brushes, you know, with pollen and that kind of stuff. And he um, has saved so many different species. Um, he came out with a book called The Plant Messiah, which is what his nickname is. Um, but he's very self-effacing. He's very, a very lovely gentleman from Spain. Um, he ended up saving, he ended up discovering and then realizing after he discovered that this plant, the smallest water lily known to man, I mean, the flowers like are the size of a M&M, 
um, and the entire plant is no bigger than a, like a cupcake. He discovered it, and then he also realized that it, it only existed in one place, and that um, the, the terrain um, and the uh, climate in that place was changing to the point where they were starting to die off. So he rescued some and brought them to Kew, and through trial and error figured out how to get them to propagate. And the fact was that even though it's a water lily, um, they, they weren't thriving in water. And so he realized that they really throve in wet sand, uh, sand that was uh, wet for a certain number of hours a day and then allowed to, to drain and then was wet again to replicate their original um, you know, environment. And he was able to get them then to self-propagate. Um, an amazing person and an, and an amazing, um, wonderful interview. Well, yeah. What I love about the Happiness Archive, they kind of tie everything what you just gave us, all these wonderful stories to wet our appetite, literally. <laughs> Um, to keep the metaphor going for the food stuff, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, is that it's a, if people, if you have a lust for learning, mm -hmm. I think this is a really great place to stop by. And <laughs> if not an aggregate vault, for an archive, if you will, like you say, a, a place that, you know, that the, the word is wonderful, you say, because it's a, um, it's something that is something that we're keeping together. Like it, it is a, per, there's a, there's a permanence to the word archive, mm -hmm. which is, and, and, but it's also a collective permanence, which I think is wonderful. You're taking all these different sections. And so perhaps the scrolling can be limited to yours, <laughs> but obviously people should go out and find their bliss wherever it lies. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, I'm just curious about, so you've been doing this for a year and a half ish mm -hmm. almost now. So what have you learned from the community, um, about this archive and and how it works and how people interact with it and what's perhaps um, the the tweaks you're making to it, if any. So it, uh, the learning curve was was steep for me um, for some reason. I, it, the um, company that I chose is called Wix W I X mm -hmm. um, to build the site and they also host it. Um, the logistics of it, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I just I I could not wrap my head around. I knew what I wanted to do, but I couldn't make the thing work for me until I um, hired a woman who is a Wix specialist, uh, freelance, lovely person, and we've since become great friends. Um, anyway, she um, kind of helped me by saying, you know, you should probably do it this way, and you should probably do this, blah, blah, blah. Um, and with my um, training as a um, user uh, experience, uh, I, for about a year and a half I did user experience testing on websites, um, I kind of knew what I, how easily I wanted it to work um, so that it wouldn't be, that wouldn't be a stumbling block for people. They could just, as I say, come to the site and jump right in and, you know, if they have five minutes or, you know, if they have an hour, they would find something easily that would um, make them smile, perhaps. So anyway, uh, she helped me get that going. And then she said, you know, you should, if you really want to um, get, stir up some, um, actions and promotion with the site, why don't you have a contest? So we did a contest, um, and we called it um, Show Us Your Happy Place. What's your happy place? Um, and we, um, she helped me with all the legal aspects of doing an online video contest, which are, you know, I would never have known how to do it. Um, and we got, um, trying to think, it was almost 100 entries, which amazed me, um, and people sent in videos of their happy place. I would have thought that we would have gotten, um, you know, like a lot of beach, you know, beach surf, palm tree kind of places, when you think of your happy place in your mind. Um, 
But no, we got, um, you know, like one guy said, my happy place is here. And it was the top of a fire tower. Um, and he did a 360 with his camera of the view, you know. And I was like, oh, okay. What do you do? Do you climb up the top of it? Is that allowed? <laughs> In any case, that's his happy place. Um, Another one was a, a a cafe in Greece, I think it was. Um, I can't remember which city, but anyway, it was just being in the the chatter and the and the warmth and the togetherness of a of a cafe. That's their happy place, kind of like our um, yeah. our cafe here. Um, another one was like I just like to lay in bed on Saturday mornings with my cats, and so he did a, a video of all these cats. Who like, doesn't like a good cat photo? I guess right. <laughs> really, really. Again, the cats, video, the yes. cats reign on the internet. So that was really a, a, an amazing experience to me, and I got a lot of feedback from um, people. A lot of people um, subscribed to the site um, a, as a result of that, and it's still growing. And it's still growing. So I have just under like 500 subscribers, but I don't really promote it. I kind of pride myself on like not spending too much money at all. Well, it doesn't need to have, you don't have to be, oh, look at this show folks, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> we do what we can, but you know, it's like winging a prayer here. Yeah, and, you know. but, but I think that's the beauty of it too. It's like good, con good content will out, so to speak. And I think, um, I hope that we can do our part here in helping promote it uh, in, the, in our small this is, way. This is the best way to do it, right? Well, it's word of mouth is the best form of advertising, I feel. Indeed. So, and I, you know, and I don't have any advertising on the site. I didn't want to try to monetize it in any way or, um, you know, just uh, highly promote it, you know, in, in yeah. the usual commercial ways. I just yeah. thought, well, if people are meant to find it, they'll find it, you know, that well, kind of thing. I think you're leading us right into it, Stephen. So before we say goodbye, where can people go to connect with you and also experience the wonderment that is the Happiness Archive? Happinessarchive.com. Um, that's the URL. And I also have an Instagram site, Happiness Archive Instagram site. Um, so those two places are basically what I use. I kind of just focus on those two. Um, and you know, it's, it's, I, I hear back from a lot of people, mostly on my internet, on my, uh, Instagram site about, um, you know, how much they like it, or you should check this out. And mm -hmm. they give me, you know, hints and tips of, of other stories. So right now I'm, I'm awash in a sea of, additional stories and additional ideas I need to pursue. And it's becoming more and more of a full-time thing, which, you know, is kind of a hassle because I do have other gigs now that I'm working right. on. So, well, but anyway, it's, it's been fun and I, and I hope to keep it going for as long as I can. Well, so we hope you do too. Well, thank you so much. Well, listeners, uh, you can find the link uh, in the description of this episode. Thanks again, Stephen, for joining me on this artist spotlight edition of in what Artworks works on air. It's a pleasure having you. Thank you, Aaron. I love being here. Uh, so folks, it's in what Artworks works on air. It's where you meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home here in Upper Manhattan. If you have a moment, please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. That really does help. Many thanks to Church of Good Shepherd here in Inwood, New York City for hosting us, and to Hidesites.com for uptown promotional support. You can support On Air and all of our programming by making a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate. Be sure to follow us on social media, media <laughs> at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. Inwood Artworks is proud to be supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with City Council. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air. <laughs>